Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, September 26th edition of the show. And Jake, this is, I think we said last podcast that that this was the official kickoff to the season or to hockey being back. Yeah. But now I think it's even more so because we have a, we, we have evidence that a preseason game occurred over the wait, weekend. Wait, wait let, let me ask you. If there are no like actual like advanced stats, <laughs> if there's no jumbotron image, if the only kind of grainy, if we only have like some Twitter pictures from the official team account, does that and there's no time on ice for the people that played? Does that mean an official game was played? Well, let me ask you this, Jake: uh, If a tree falls in a forest but no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? Is that the is that the, the, the expression? It, some, something like that. You nailed yeah. it. You nailed it. You nailed yeah. it. I mean, yes. Yeah, so the Ducks had a preseason game this weekend against the Arizona Coyotes, and I don't think it was in their their home arena. Well, their home arena is not finished being built yet. They're so they're go. they're starting on the road for what is it like the first month or two of the season? Basically, whatever the Islanders had to do last year. Um, I guess someone's confused because I'm not wearing a hat. Uh, I guess this is shocking. Yeah, we've, um, we've switched off. We we have. Um, but yeah, so this game was in Tucson. I think they're kind of just like going around. They're they're playing a game in Montana. They they're just playing in a bunch of different places for all of preseason and not at their home arena because it's not uh, finished yet. So this is this was in their AHL barn. That's probably why all the stats were tracked on AHL's website. And as a result, there's no real-time event data. There's no time on ice. There's none of the, the typical statistics that we get based off games where you and I could at least kind of make some um, general opinions on how the play was, even without having seen the game and just be, and only having the radio broadcast. But we're kind of flying a bit blinder here uh, than normal for this game. Yeah, uh, I think that's the right way to put it because there's just – we can only give you guys so much information based on that, you know, unless we had actually been in Tucson, Arizona, I just don't know how else I mean, you listen to the game on the radio. And I feel like it's hard to, I don't even know how hockey hockey's not a good sport to be to, to for radio broadcast for me. I think that, yeah, I, I think that a good radio broadcast for a hockey game tells you a story about what's happening, happening in the game, but they don't necessarily relay every piece of information to you because it's such a hectic game. You're not going to be able to gather who is actually playing well, because I mean, what we talk about with, with the game, right? Is that your eye is drawn to, to these bigger plays, right? And it's these, um, it's the advanced statistics that allow us to know if the, our eye test is failing us or actually proving us right by looking at these and not necessarily always looking at the other plays. Well, that's not just about us. That's also radio broadcast that happens to. And when kind of you're you're trying to pick out plays here and there to, to broadcast over the radio, that is why it's very much um, – uh, it, it can be very much uh, impacted by those high-intensity – or the higher-impact plays that garner your eye. So I think that radio broadcasts, even though there's not a visual element, they are much more susceptible to the eye test than uh, TV broadcasts. Well, yeah, I mean, as the listener, you're fully dependent on whatever their viewpoint is. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's your only. Yep. That's your only point of reference to understand the game. Whereas when you're watching on TV, no matter how much you may disagree with the viewpoint of the broadcasters, you can still form your own opinion because you're you're seeing it. You're yeah. seeing the same thing they're seeing. And also with hockey, there's just so much context to a play to watching guys play. You know, you're you're judging the the rest of what's going on on the ice with what they're with the decision that they're making. So 
anyway, didn't mean to get into that whole tangent, but we'll, we we can touch on that very briefly. I mean, the Ducks won three to two. Isaac Lindstrom had a power play goal. Um, Tristan Luneau had a goal and an assist. Pavel Regenda had a goal. And in this game, you know, not a lot of big names in the Ducks lineup. Uh, you know, Max Jones was, argu- I mean, Max Jones and Isaac Lindstrom were arguably the biggest names at forward. And then on the back end, I mean, you have a lot of younger guys. Noah Warren, Pavel Mintukov is a, is a big one in terms of young players. Nathan Bolia, I mean, you know, it's just a, a PTO. Like, there, there just wasn't a whole lot going on in this game in terms uh, of, like, what was it? Vac- quality. Vakaninen played also. Yeah, the Ducks do actually play the Sharks tomorrow night, and yeah. hopefully we'll have some, some footage oh. of that game. Yeah, I don't know if there will be necessarily footage, but I think that we will have better data because it's going to be at the SAP Center. So at least at the end of the day, we're going to have a little bit of better information coming off of that game. And actually, uh, well, we'll get into that in a sec, but the the lineup for that has come out through Eric Stevens and Lisa Dillman. Congrats, Lisa, by the way. I don't know if we've mentioned that, that she's now covering the Ducks for the OC Register. Make sure you go follow her. She's doing a great job over there. Yeah, Um, Yeah, she's she's been a nice... uh, She's really bolstered the Ducks' coverage so far. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I guess kind of my only takeaways from this game, and it's just kind of based on, on listening to the game, based upon maybe Twitter a little bit, and based on looking at the relatively minor stats that we have, is that Isaac Lundestrom really was able to shine and did well in a power play role, um, which is something that he's probably not going to be able to get on the Ducks this year. So good on him for taking advantage of that, but that I don't necessarily think I would – uh, put him in that spot as the season begins, but maybe that's something they look at doing. Um, one of our biggest criticisms, right, of Isaac Lundestrom was he was really good in transition and getting the puck through the neutral zone, but offensively was not able to necessarily make things happen. So if this is a sign, and now granted it's a big stretch because we don't know what happened, but if this is a sign that he's able to now take that next step creatively in the offensive zone, he could become actually a really good player for this team this year. Um, I, I want to see it actually happen and see kind of how these goals happen as compared to just basing it off a goal and assist, uh, two assists and not make sweeping. Basing it off as a score sheet? Yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I think we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think the other two things for me was Tristan Leneau. I think he's a guy that both you and I really were impressed by during the rookie tournament. I think he was a standout to us and, and became a guy that I think you and I are both really excited about because of the pedigree that he had prior to uh, being drafted and how he's probably going went lower than he probably should have been. And in this game, he had a goal and assist. Granted, I think it was a secondary assist, but it, I think the more impressive thing was as a defenseman, what we saw from him in the rookie tournament was ability to transition the puck and be active in the offensive zone. And that's something that you saw in this game just by looking at shots on goal. You don't get five shots on goal as a defenseman without trying to be active in that offensive zone. And so I think that's interesting to see from him. And then I think the other one is Lucas Dostal. Um Right. He he put had 24 saves uh, on 26 shots, uh, allowed two goals against. One of them, I think, was a late garbage time goal. Um, it was 3-1 to one for most of the game. And so I think he's a guy that's really – I think we should all be looking at trying to take a big step in the AHL this year and dominate that level. It's starting to get to that point for him where he needs to start doing that um, and start really kind of making a name for himself to grab that back uh, backup role for the Ducks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's – you know, even in those games where the the roster might not be star studded, there's still something at play. There's a, there's always something to kind of try to glean from the performance. So outside of this game, and I'm I think everything you said, I would co-sign. I don't really have a ton to add. I think Luno watch is interesting, and I think this is a good segue into what I really wanted to get at, which is 
I don't I don't think we talked about this in the last podcast. I think it came out over the last week. But Pat Verbeek had some comments uh, that were yeah. that were disseminated, and I'll start. I'll start with the one that's related to what we we're just talking about, which is he mentioned that the bottom six is essentially up for grabs. That that you know that these jobs are are up for for the taking for for anyone that you know there, there's a lot of bodies in there. We've we kind of touched on this in different podcasts that there's a lot of guys who could conceivably fill out the Ducks bottom six, and Pat Verbeek basically indicated that it's an open competition. He didn't use those specific words, but it's an open competition for that bottom six. Now, of course, how much of that should we take at face value given that, you know, contract considerations and whatnot. But I think it's interesting to think about because there are some more established names, like let's say a Derek Grant, uh, even a Sam Carrick who just signed a two-year deal. But there's young bodies and it's, I think that's kind of encouraging because maybe the look we'll get on opening night is not one we would have drawn up during the summer. Yep, and we should note on Sam Carrick, he's going to miss the start of the season. I think what they said, he'll be out till November, right. like was the report. Right. Um, let me double check on that as, as we keep going, just so you all have the, the proper information there. Um, but yeah, I, I think the open, I mean, this is the exact quote on op, on competition at camp for, for roster spots, because I don't think he, and maybe you said this as I was kind of looking some stuff up, but he didn't just necessarily say it about the bottom six spots for the third and fourth line. He yeah, also he, said for defense. And that's the and that's a bit of an issue to me, because I think the defense is far less wide open than he would is letting on. Um, realistically, there's at least there's one or two. There's at least four spots that are just set in stone, like set in yeah. stone. Jamie Drysdale's on the team. Cam Fowler's on the team. John Klingberg's on the team. Kevin Shattenkirk, maybe maybe he's actually going to have to fight for a spot. But I think that those four are solid. They traded for Dmitry Kulikov. He's making a decent amount of money. I would just have a hard time imagining that he's, you know, just short, just shy of being a shoe in for for a, a spot. So, hey, maybe Pavarbika means what he says, and maybe that there's actually maybe two spots that are open. But in terms of the blue line, that's good news for you know the likes of an Olin Zellweger. I think that's the name that comes to mind for everybody. I mean, hey, mm-hmm. if if Pavel Mintukov can somehow uh, you know, just really impress everyone throughout uh, training camp. I mean, we we talked about it for the rookie faceoff breakdown. There's a lot of young blue liners right now in this system that hey, maybe if they have a good training camp, they can at least get a get a short stint with the Ducks. I think that that I think that that is more that is less impactful for the actual where the Ducks will finish in the standings than how the forward bottom six looks because that's just a lot more spots <laughs> yeah and uh really quick carrick is going to be out till november is what the report is yeah so carrick's out um and so i guess my question would just be and we can try to work through this a little bit on the fly here but what do you think that the bottom six will look like uh, assuming assuming that it is indeed wide open so really quickly, want to jump in on what you said about the defense. I read that quote as being, I think there's for sure one spot up in the air on the defense, and we kind of knew that going the left mm-hmm. side of that bottom, the the bottom pairing, whether it's a Vakaninen, whether it's a Zellweger, whether it's Mahura, whether it's a Benoit, there there's a competition going on right now, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that's what that means. And I think maybe there's potentially one more spot. Maybe it is Shaddenkirk that that gets beaten out by maybe like a Drew Hellison per se, and, and Drew Hellison. Uh, wins that that bottom pairing right hand shot defenseman role um, and, and over a Kevin Shattenkirk. and um, I I don't think that's likely but I think that there are definitely question marks there that that can be asked and I think that 
I, I think that it makes sense. I think it's a valid uh, criticism of the roster by Pat Verbeek and what he's looking to happen with that bottom uh, pairing. Um, and so do you want to jump into to going over the roster right now? We can definitely do that. I know that we had some questions about this, so this will okay. probably just answer them. Okay. Um, but let's just do it. Screw it. Let, let's go for it. Well, so I just want to say this because this is something that – well, before we do that, I want to point out that th- this is another thing that Pat Verbeek said is no captain this year. Yes. No captain for this team. And basically well, said actually, that... uh, sorry, I'm going to jump in and correct you. He didn't say no captain this year. Okay. He said, uh, we're going to take our time. There's no rush. And when we name a captain, it's going to be the right guy and a guy we plan on being here for a long time. And there's going to be veterans in that room and they're going to let leaders emerge. So I don't think that that's, I think more likely than not, there's not going to be a captain this year, but that uh, that quote didn't necessarily say that completely. So I listened to his interview. Okay. So I didn't, I, and so he said we're not naming a captain at this time. So, yes. yeah. I mean, if you're saying that now, like, what's the precedent of a captain being named midseason? True. No, it's I, like I said, it's not completely like it's not that likely, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's completely out of the question. Yeah, yeah. But what do you think about that, though? I think it's the right call. I think that Ryan Getzloff was the longest tenured captain in franchise history. I don't think that it was like a Scott Niedermeyer where there was an obvious transition to a Ryan Getzloff ready-made for that role, going into his prime, kind of ready for that spot. Um, there wasn't uh, – I, I think that it makes sense that you want to want to see what happens necessarily. So um, I think it's the right call. Yeah, and just to be very absolutely crystal clear about what he said, he said we're not going to be naming a captain right now. Mm-hmm. So if you take that, you know, face value, literally that's all it means. Um, I think it means that there's probably not going to be a captain this year because letting a leadership group, you know, play itself out, that takes time. Uh, It's it's not going to happen overnight. This, I believe, will be the first year in Ducks history where there is not a captain. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the right call. You know, I, I, I will agree with you that I think it's the right call. I think that there was definitely a case to be made that you just name... I think that if you're like a Cam Fowler or an Adam Henrique, you know, one of those veteran guys, maybe you're slightly miffed, right? Because wouldn't Cam Fowler have been a, you know, like for example, a shoe in to be the, at least like a transitional captain, right? It does. It's kind of interesting that they just totally foreclose that possibility. And instead they're just going to let a leader emerge. I actually, I prefer this route that they're taking, but it is kind of interesting that instead of, naming a guy who maybe is going to be a captain for a shorter period of time until maybe a younger leader emerges. They're just going no, no captain for now. I like this better also because it it removes any possibility of having to strip the guy of the letter. Well, that's, and I, and I think that that's the, that's a good point, which is that if you go the trans, you know, quote unquote transition captain route, a, it kind of cheapens the captaincy a little bit just because everyone knows that maybe this isn't the guy long-term. And then yes, like you said, there's this uncomfortable moment later down the line where you have to change captains. So like Cam Fowler's under contract for four more seasons. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> like, do you want, is your plan to have him be captain for all four of those years? And I've been a very big advocate for Cam Fowler being captain, but if that is not your plan for him to be captain for all four of those seasons, then don't do that right now. Who would you say is the, uh, the, the favorite right now? Who, 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 how would you handicap the, the captaincy candidates right now based on, I mean, if you want to go based upon where there's smoke, there's fire. 
<laughs> it would probably be a Mason McTavish. If you want my honest opinion, I would honestly say Trevor Zegers. Hmm. The okay. reason for that, I think McTavish represents the traditional mold of a hockey captain, right? A He's guy got a beard. That, a guy that's <laughs> that's got a beard. He is kind of the hardworking type of guy he's the good old canadian kid right and he's mm-hmm. going to be a very good player very good two-way responsible player all the things that are, are kind of said about him and while that's not wrong and i think that he would make a great choice as a captain me personally i think that the captain should not only be the leader in the room but you also have to consider him the face of your franchise in the sense of this is the guy that's going to be doing media this is the guy that's going to be answering the media giving uh kind of being out there front and center all these situations and who is the person for the ducks at the nhl media tour it's trevor zegris he's the face of this franchise he's the one out there he is the best ambassador that this team has ever had i think yeah well, I think even more so than tame Muslani. and that may be bold but i think that just the personality that he has and how he can relate how a lot of people can probably relate to him and just how much fun he has i think that that is uh that would be a big reason why I would pick a Trevor Zegers. So I think the reason that it might not be Zegers is that captains aren't, it's not just like you're the most outspoken guy. It's in terms of the media part of it. It's that there, there is some polish that's required. There is a little bit of, Hey, you're in a way the PR person for the dressing room for the team. And Trevor Zegers, I think what makes him, so fun and unique is that he doesn't do that stuff. He's he's not really a full-on cliche machine. I mean, you'll recall well, the incident in Arizona where he comes out and, you know, yeah. said said what he did that it was such a, well, you know, an effing joke. That that's why I think he would be a great choice because he's not a cliche cliche machine. I but, think that, that but, I think that's he, not a reason that he I think that's a reason why he wouldn't be picked, but I think from my own personal perspective, that yeah. would be the reason why I would want him to be. So you're that's but, yeah, I mean. but that's the thing is so I don't I'm not discounting your argument. It's just mm-hmm. I think that the way that it's probably viewed in this in this hockey culture is more that they want closer. I think on the spectrum of robot to Trevor Zegers, they probably want a little closer to, to robot um, for captain. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you want someone who's also a straight shooter. And I think that that's what I mean, Eric Stevens talked about on this show. How what was so great about Ryan Getzlaff is that he he didn't really he didn't always hold back. He was he was at least good at kind of letting you in somewhat on what was going on. My pick would be Troy Terry um, because I yeah, think that Troy, Troy Terry, he's already, I mean, the way he speaks to the media, you know, he kind of, he's a step down from Zegris and that he's not, you know, so happy go lucky. He's just very frank. He's very honest. And he's also analytical. He's, he's giving you a full breakdown, but he's not, he's not compromising any information either. And I think he'd be just a really good example too. I mean, a mid round pick, a guy who had to work his way, up through the ranks who it wasn't handed to him. I think that that you're talking about leading by example. I think that that would be a really good pick because, you know, like you said, with the whole Mason McTavish thing, we don't, you know, there's, there's good Intel on him as a leader so far in his career. Um, but this assumption that he's just going to be this model two way player, we don't know anything about his defensive play in the NHL yet. So yeah, I would, I would uh, pump the brakes on the McTavish captain hype, but if it happens, it will know that it was the right call because Pat Verbeek is letting it play out. So we do yep, like I, that. There, there shouldn't be a rush with anything right now with this team. I think that there's a lot of things that uh, are kind of in the wait and see mode and, and seeing seeing what happens. And I think that Pat Verbeek yeah. has the ability to be patient with this, and he's taking his time on it. I think that's what you want to see. 
And, and, you know, I mean, I don't mean to say this like in a negative way, but this is the kind of year where you do that because there's not that much at stake for the Ducks this year. Even though they've taken some steps, they've spent some money, they have put together a more competitive roster, they're not yet in a position where there's real pressure to perform. So why not just kind of, you know, take it easy on on a on the leadership front and, and give that some time. See what these guys are made of in an environment where there's a little bit more pressure, but there's still not it's not a pressure cooker quite yet. So Yep. It'll be interesting. Alright. Uh let's get it just really quickly mention this and less and then if you've got anything else to cover, we'll hit our break and then Get yep. to some questions because this is probably the last podcast in a while where we're not going to have any sort of game to talk about because I'm going to be at the game Wednesday. So I'm going to have oh. information. I'm going to actually have opinions next wow, week. Wow, insider. Well, you ah. were at training camp. No, I was not. Oh, you. Wow. Okay. Well, I just totally misread. <laughs> you, ma- you, you just made that up completely. I don't I know. It, it just seemed like you were. You were very active in the discussion, but. I mean, you, I'm you not. Know, I'm, you weren't. I, so I was being fed information by our, our man on the street, uh, Mike DeFlorio, who was there. And uh, do you okay. want the info that he gave me? Sure. Yeah. Let's let's give credit where credit is due. Nathan Gauthier looks great. Okay. Okay. Well, hey. <laughs> hmm. Who who called who called that potentially being the case yeah. a while ago? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Can't if think... he makes this team, are you gonna ma- take a victory lap? No, I'm just gonna do the silent like. The silent bat flip. I'm not, si- I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let people come to me and, and shower me with credit. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. And that was also uh, Mike's letting me know. Olaf, who's also from our Discord, and Connor, uh, all of them loved what Gauthier did at training camp. So Yeah. There's Trust, that. Trusted so, eyes. So there we go. Uh, and then for the game tomorrow, Eric Stevens reported it uh, appears that the Ducks will send Stolars and Erickson Eck. Uh, and then you'll have Regenda, Godin, Grimaldi, Jones, and Gaucher. Uh, they could be back in after playing on Sunday. And then also you'll have Shattenkirk, Zellweger, White, Cote, Hines, Anderson, Mahura, uh, Derek Grant, Hunter Drew, Jacob Silverberg, Kirkland, Comtois, Chigarel, uh, and Lopina. Yeah, so Zellweger watch. Yeah, Zellweger's going to be interesting. Let it begin. I, yeah, I think it we'll get into this more when we make our like try to build out our lineups. Mm -hmm. But I think getting back to those quotes, I think that that's honestly going to make this training camp so exciting. I think when there's a lot of jobs at play, I know we mentioned last time that there's not a lot of takeaways that you can have from rookie camp and same thing with training camp because it's a smaller sample. You don't know who the team's playing against, but when there are jobs on the line and they're trying to earn a roster spot and trying to set kind of where guys go, I think it's a really fascinating thing to watch because you get to kind of see what happens and see where these guys go, see them get rewarded or not rewarded if they don't perform up to snuff. And so I think that's going to be something really exciting to see. Yeah. And I think what's, what's, what makes it even more exciting is that there's open spots and there's guys who could legitimately win those spots, right? It's not just like two years ago's roster saying, Oh, well, Hey, you know, it's it's a competition, except you know that there's just not a whole lot of guys who can actually do anything with that. So yep, it'll be fun. Yep. All right. Anything else? No. Let's get into this break. All right. So hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? 
You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nutsack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using our discount code uh, CTP for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Uh, so whether you're looking, uh, to go like a, or bald, like an Eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to keep, uh, to helping you uh, level up your full body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the performance package 4.0 inside that package is the lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a Bush's worst nightmare. And you have no need for night vision goggles with this thing. The trimmer has an led light to allow you to mow the lawn in the dark. And it's basic landscaping. When you trim the hedges, the trees stand taller. And the second best tool in the performance package is the weed whacker. This fine-tuned nose and ear hair trimmer will make sure your nasty nose pubes are under control. You can instantly add some pep to your step with the Crop Preserver uh, Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Spray-On Toner. And then on, on top of that, you can also get two free gifts, the Travel Bag and the Manscaped Boxers with this. And they also have a bunch of other products uh, on their website that help you maximize your confidence and get your grooming game, or maximize your confidence and grooming game. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with our code CTP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use our code CTP. It's time you level up from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. There you and go. So this episode's also brought to you by True Classic. So today's episode is sponsored by True Classic. Guys, let's talk about t-shirts. Finding that perfect fitting shirt can be terrible. I swear, that thing is either way too tight, has a case of the bacon neck, or is just a plain, big, and boxy. Luckily, True Classic wants to make every man look good and feel good. Tighter fit in the chest and the sleeves to make your arms pop, and room out in the torso to keep things cozy. I'm telling you, all of their styles are super soft and at a great price for what you're getting. So guys, no excuses. Get rid of those ratty t-shirts I know you've been hanging on to for years. Yes, I'm in that <laughs> same boat. I have yes. one behind me. And get ready to upgrade. We have an exclusive deal for our listeners. We want to hook you up with some True Classic. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the code CTP at trueclassic.com. And so almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on a certain body type. These skinny models with six-packs... I know, jealous. Uh, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers, and there's nothing wrong with that, my dudes. It's simple. You're wearing the wrong clothes. They're uh, true classics tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. You can throw on that true classic with confidence, knowing you, we've got your bases covered. And for guys that, uh, for the big boys out there, they have long body options for the tall guys and up to triple XL for on their sta uh, staple colors. True Classic will make you feel your best by accentuating the places the eye, eyes go to first. Wink, wink. Uh, whether you have abs or flabs, their clothes look great on all body types. Skinny dudes, big dudes, buff dudes, my dudes dudes, True Classic has you covered. So get comfortable, get going, and upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with the code CTP. Free shipping included on purchases over $100.00. It's 100% risk-free guarantee and a, with a 30-day return policy. True classic. When you look good, you feel good. Alrighty. So, I think, are we just going straight to questions? Is that um, the, that the play there, here? 
I think that's the play. I think there's uh there's not a whole lot else to talk about. There haven't been any roster cuts. I mean, really the only thing that that's come out is Rocco Grimaldi signed to PTO, Nathan Bull, you on a PTO. I realized uh over the the week or weekend when those rosters were announced that the main reason those guys are signed is you have to have, I think it's seven, um, uh, it's either seven or eight uh, NHL veterans, quote unquote, on your roster. And a veteran's defined as a guy that either played in 30 games last year as a first rounder from this previous draft. And uh, yeah, it's, a bunch bas- of- it's, it's basically a workaround from having to play your real players. Yeah. And so that Grimaldi counts as that. And so, and Bolu counts as that. Like that, that's the main reason those guys are there. Um, so let's get into these questions. So Olaf is berserker said with the blue line where it is NHL and pipeline. Do you see a point in targeting either RFAs still out there? Uh, San, he references Sandine or Nick Hague before the season. And is your answer different today than it would have been four months ago? Well, yeah, I mean, they got John Klingberg, uh, that matters. And then they traded for Dmitry Kulikov. So yeah, my answer is definitely different. I think that right now, I think you just kind of want to let things play out. The top four is pretty solid. Um, I mean, assuming Kulikov is in there, I think Kevin Shattenkirk's likely to, to be a regular on the roster. And then, yeah, let give an Olden Zellweger a shot. See what you have in that cohort of Fakunainen, Mahura, Benoit. Like, just, I think you can rotate through those guys. Maybe Minchukov, maybe Hellison. Right. So there's there's going to be opportunities. And I think you're at the point where the major spots are filled out. Let the internal competition kind of see itself through. See, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think it depends on what the cost is at the end of the day. I think the big question is whether you see Sandin or Haig outperforming some of your younger guys. And if you think long term, that's going to be the better play. I think you have to look at it because at the end of the day, you look at the Ducks roster right now and you look at specifically on the defense. We're talking about one guy that's probably here for two guys, probably here for the long haul, right? Mm-hmm. In, in Cam Fowler, just because of his contract, uh, going to be here for four more years. And then Jamie Drysdale. And so even though they have guys locked up for this year, I mean, Rasmus Sandin is only 22 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not as if he's much different than a Drew Hellison in age. And he has NHL experience. And I believe his underlying metrics, I would need to double check that. But they're pretty damn good from what I recall. Um, if you want to look that up as I'm saying that, whether I make myself look uh, right or wrong here. Um, but I, I think if those situations pop up and if the right deal, I think that you do have to go for it still because you're getting a guy that has NHL experience that is probably going to be better potentially than some of these other guys. A- at the end of the day, they're more of a sure thing. And so that fills out your roster, builds guys around the same contending window that you have with the Zegris, the Drysdale, things like that, guys around that age. And so I think Rasmus Sandin, Nick Hague, I'm not as confident on. Um just personally. And so Sandine's a guy, I think I would, but at the end of the day, it depends on what the price is with, with all of them. Cause right. I, I, I don't think you can have too many of a good thing, especially with these prospects that aren't going to be in the NHL um, for a little bit. They're going to be able to be moved if there are not spots available and you can use them as bargaining chips or you move them in these deals. And so there's a lot of possibilities. I don't think that just based upon what happened this off season, anything's changed from that perspective. If one of these guys is available specifically Sandine. Yeah, I think Nick Haig is, I mean, his numbers are not anything to be like going crazy about. Sandines are very good. I guess my question with Sandine is he is a left shot and down the, down the left side, the ducks don't really have that many bodies. I mean, Cam Fowler is a left shot. So he's really the only guy that's there for the foreseeable future. And then after that, I mean, yeah, like Selweger basically. 
Selweger. So maybe you, you look at Sandinas to try to kind of solidify that left side for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, you are going to have to work out a contract with him. Um, he hasn't signed yet with the Leafs, so I don't I'm not I don't know exactly what's going on there, why that hasn't happened. If if anyone wants to enlighten us on that, but I guess the the point is, I think you are correct that there, just because there are a lot of possibilities, that doesn't mean you should stop looking. But I also think it's justifiable to kind of let things play out internally as well, just at least for the time being. Yeah, and I mean they they just drafted Minchukov, who's a left hand shot also, so we shouldn't forget about him over in the next coming years. He's probably going to be on uh, competing mm-hmm. for a roster spot. But I don't think that is necessarily going to stop you from going out and getting a guy like this because you can always look at see what you can do. Maybe look at moving one of them to the their the right side or or see what you can do there basically. And so I think if if you can get a Rasmus Sandin, and I think that this is my opinion just in general, if you can get a young guy in the contending window of this roster that helps improve this team, I think you have to do that. Yeah, no, I think that's fair and. Sandine would be, I mean, his, it looks like he'd be most likely getting a bridge deal, which would be about two years, 1.6 million. So this isn't a guy who's going to come in and break the bank and you're probably going to get good value for that contract. He's going to be an RFA at the end of it. So there's, there's a lot to like there. I mean, the weird thing with Sandine is that he has good underlying numbers, but if you look at like the tracking data, he's really bad at he. The tracking data does not look at him favorably defensively. Like he he lets in players through the blue line. His carry against percentage is really bad. So something to think about. I haven't really thought about that player a lot, but I think that the methodology there makes sense to keep targeting other players. Yep. Uh, you're going to love this one. Good friend of the show, Green Bastard, uh, Bastardo Verde, said, should the Ducks offer Jack Kopaka a PTO? If not, why are you wrong and terrible at hockey analysis? If yes, why are you such an alpha male that everyone should look up to? Uh, I'm gonna go with no. He should. They should not. Where is he playing now? I feel like he's playing over in Europe somewhere. For anyone that don't doesn't know, for whatever reason, Green Bastard is the biggest Jack Kopaka fan there is. Yeah, he's playing in the Alvenskin. Yeah, no. So not even in the SH in the Swedish uh, Elite League. That that's that's gonna be a no for me. Isn't that the AHL of Sweden? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that that that's not good. Sorry, GB. Uh, JJ Stone Drum says, "What are your thoughts on the newer podcast from Duck Stream? What's your overall thoughts on the Ducks having full rights and ownership for the radio broadcast? Lastly, with the rumors of the NHL possibly buying back the rights for some teams' broadcast, could you see the Ducks games moving on to Ducks Stream?" Ah, uh, that's a lot of questions in there. I think the Ducks Stream. You're the one that has a lot of opinions on that, so I'm not going to spend too much. But I think it's spend too much time on it. But I think it's an it's a cool idea. I think that it's it's a step in the right direction where you're you're kind of targeting where the attention actually is. And so I think that it's a it's a cool idea. They've already done a podcast where they had Paul Korea and Timu Solani on. I I'm curious to see where it'll go. But the Ducks are the Ducks are getting getting with the times. You always love to see that. Yeah, I, I think it's overall, it's a really cool, very interesting and unique idea. I think they're the first team in the NHL to do this. So they deserve major props for coming up uh, coming up with this idea and doing it. I'm very curious to see how it happens and how it goes off and how it keeps continuing. I think From Mighty Till Now is one of the more fascinating ones for me. Because I think just having listened to that one, 
the uh, the conversation between Korea and Solani was fascinating, and they could have just had them to have their own <laughs> podcast. Yeah. The other ones, I, I'm a little bit more wait and see. I, I think they're they're cool. I want to see once the season kicks off how they're doing because right now it's a little bit more kind of broad NHL coverage, interviewing broadcasters about their own process, which I think is interesting. But at this point in time, I want to like dive into training camp news, things like that. So I think if it gets more focused, I think I'm gonna probably enjoy that more. So. Curious to see how it plays out on the concept of it having, uh, and personally, I don't really, I use TuneIn, but I probably won't use it for podcasts and I won't use DuckStream to listen to all of the, the media on there. For me personally, it's just going to my podcast app, going to Spotify, listen on there. So I think it's an interesting concept. I'm curious, I'm curious how many listens they're going to get on TuneIn versus podcast app. Mm-hmm. Because and also the beak, I think the Pat Verbeek episodes going to be uh, episodes will be interesting. I hope that those are focused on behind the scenes workings and not necessarily. I think there was an interview that he did. Uh, I forget the podcast, but he did an interview and was talking primarily about hunting and things like that, and not really and about yeah. his time under under Iserman and barely talked about the Ducks, if anything. And so I hope that it doesn't go into that. I hope it stays more on focus about the ducks uh, and kind of things like that. So um, there's that. And the ducks having full rights and ownership for their radio broadcasts. I also think that's cool. That That's something I'm really, really a big fan of. I think the Kings did that last year and put it on iHeartRadio. Um, and so I think that that's the way of the future. I think, I mean, we've been doing this podcast for how many seasons now? Four or five seasons internet media is growing, growing, growing. And I don't even know if radio really has a huge stranglehold on a lot of people listening to it anymore. I think it always will somewhat, but I think that this is where things are going. And I think it's a very nice leap into the future for them to, to do this. So that's that. As for the rumors of the NHL possibly buying back the rights for some teams broadcast, could you see Ducks games moving on to Duckstream? So I don't think they would move on to Duckstream. Because and because that is an audio platform specifically on TuneIn and is hosted by TuneIn. And for those of you who don't know, radio stations are just on TuneIn. AM830 was on there. Different things like that. Um, I'm very curious to see how that plays out, though, and where the games are broadcast or if just every game's on ESPN Plus and that's how it works. That is something that I hope happens, though, because I am so over preseason games not being broadcast because the local broadcaster does not want to have it. And it's not that hard to just simply take the jumbotron feed and put it on YouTube for a live stream. And they can't do it because of, um, they can't do it because of the local broadcaster, uh, not taking it. And so they're not allowed to because of those rights. And I had my guy saying there's blackouts on ESPN plus there's only blackouts on ESPN plus because of local broadcasters. If the NHL, if the team owns it, they can not have local broadcast or local blackouts. It's their right. Like they can do whatever the hell they want with it. Yeah, I mean, following NHL games in in 2022 should not be as complicated as it is. So there there should not be a preseason game that is not streamed somewhere. Is my opinion. Like okay. it's not it's not hard to stream stuff to YouTube. I've figured it out with the show, and <laughs> I'm not exactly someone that knew anything about this prior to doing this show. And I figured it out over time, and Jake, so it's Jake something is, we should Jake all be Jake is basically to do. saying that because he figured it out for this podcast that some somebody that's paid hi, somebody that, hire him hire him is what he's saying. Well, well, no, but I'm just saying that like this shouldn't be something that Bally Sports should be stopping from happening. 
Yeah, I'm just I would just be curious to know what their reasoning is for why it's not happening, because I'm sure there's some kind of explanation. And I'm just curious what that is. I'm not yeah, saying that and- it would be a, a valid one, but it. I'm sure there's some kind of explanation. Yeah, and Sprint Car F1 said the rookie tournament was on YouTube. Yes, it was, but that was not something uh, a game that was held the rights to by the and by the local broadcaster. Yeah, so that that's why that was like that. So, um, but yeah, I'm I have no idea really what's going to happen there if the NHL teams buy their rights back from Sinclair. But I hope they do. Bally's I don't like Bally. I don't think it's been good. <laughs> I did want to I did want to touch on something that I forgot uh, mm-hmm. to talk about is that the Ducks hired a data oh, scientist yeah. for their hockey ops department. Connor Jung, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. The thing with that is that so Connor Jung w- used to work at SportLogic, which is the hockey analytics company which does it's it's all tracking database but they use I think an AI software to do that so it's not manually tracked. So bring in a guy who works with the actual data to synthesize it, work with the databases, whatever, whatever he's actually doing. Data scientist is kind of a broad term. The fact that he's going to work specifically with hockey ops. I mean, this is kind of like what we talked about way, way back when Paverbeek was, was hired. That analytics. When Jeff going... Solomon was hired. Yeah. Well, there was. Yeah. Now there's just no Bob Murray to stifle yeah. uh, Jeff Solomon anymore. But. Yeah, it's a it's an exciting hire because now we know that the Ducks are actually going to be using data to to yeah. bolster their decision making. Well, and it's something that you and I have probably been talking about for years now of the team kind of getting lost behind it. And, and the thing is, like, th- this isn't even really that noteworthy in the grand scheme because every team does this for the most part. It's just the Ducks have been in the dark ages for a few years now, and they're just now catching up. Yeah, like you look at how much uh, I think Shana puts out that that list of, of all the different analytics yeah. people within different teams. And right now for the Ducks, I think it was Jeff Solomon and the video coach. I think we're the only two people listed there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a very exciting time. I think it's I think it's just another sign that I, I've mentioned this before, but it feels like the team is going in the pro- right direction now. And it feels like there is a proper direction where this team is going. And this is just another sign of that. Yep. They are competently run. Yep. Uh, so Hey Odiflow said, what is your prediction? And here's the one for the Ducks third and fourth line forwards to start the season. He's <laughs> leaning towards McTavish, Lundestrom, Silverberg and Jones, Gaucher, Perot. So let, let's just jump into the lineup. Cause I had mentioned we would do that as we got to questions. So I, yeah, I think the hard thing with this is that you need to, you need to know who's the top six first. I think that I'm pretty confident in saying that it's going to be some combination of Vetrano, Zegers, Terry, Strom, Henrique, and then either Comtois or McTavish. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I think I would agree McTavish being in the top six. Uh, I just, he's he's in there. So that leaves Comtois available for the, the bottom six. I think third line center, is it still Isaac Lundestrom there? I, I think so. I don't think, the only way I think it wouldn't be Isaac Lundestrom is if you swapped uh, either McTavish or Henrique to center. Mm-hmm. But, it sounds as if Mason McTavish is going to start on the wing. It seems like Adam Henrique is also going to be on the wing. So I think with that being the case, I think that it's pretty much set that I think Isaac Lundstrom will be that third line center. So who is your third line left wing? Is it Max Contois? 
I think it's probably either Max Comtois or maybe a Max Jones. I think they'll start with Comtois there, though. I think he has a little the higher pedigree of the two of them. Yeah. And granted, it depends on how they, he does at training camp. But if he's lighting it up, I could see him starting on that second line and McTavish starting here. But I think it's one of those two on these the second and third line left wing. Yeah, and then at right wing on the third line, I mean, now now you get into interesting territory because I, there's a, th- there's a lot of options. I think it's going to be Jacob Silverberg, and I'm pretty I, I feel pretty good about that that okay. call. That that's not necessarily what I would do, but I think that's just what's going to happen. Is that a good NHL line? I think it would be an okay fourth line. Yeah, that's not a great line. That's I mean, not a good. That's not a good yeah. line to have in your middle six. Yeah, I. I'm very curious how they're going to design I mean, that that the, may, that bottom six. Maybe Lundestrom has p- picked up his game, is able to distribute the puck and find Comtois in dangerous spots, and Silverberg's just there to be good defensively. I mean, Silverberg was, was bad last year. Um, Wasn't he good defensively? Am I misremembering that? Well, let's see. I, I could have sworn that, that while he was playing that well, he was actually pretty good defensively, well, but just I, was absolutely nothing offensively. Which that too is kind of a problem. I mean, even oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, he was he was basically a below replacement at driving offense. He was a zero in terms of suppressing expected goals, and he was good at suppressing shot attempts. Yeah. So I mean, it's not that's a fourth liner. Like yeah. <laughs> um. So we'll see. Maybe the the time off has benefited him. Fourth line. So I think left wing. I think it'll be Max Jones. I yeah, think that, I think that they want to give him kind of this this chance to redeem his career or not redeem, but just, you know, get back on track, I should say. Um, center. I mean, is it anyone else but Nathan Gaucher? It can't be right. Um, I'm going bo- Nathan Gaucher. We both know where this is probably going to go. So I'm going to say this. Nathan Gaucher is on this fourth line, whether he's at center or not. He's on it. If you want to put Derek Grant at center, go, by all means, go for it. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so confident that Derek Grant's in the lineup. I have no idea. I just. I've been burned way too many times by Derek Grant. I just. So. I, I can't see Dallas Akins. You know, I can't see Dallas Akins having a quote unquote, you know, open competition or or whatever you want to call it, and looking at Derek Grant and thinking, no, not yeah. him. Not yeah. him. Not the yeah. guy that I've treated as a Selkie winner. Not the guy that I've you know yep. sti- you know stifled my yep. top top centers development with. Not him. Yeah. If <laughs> if so, let's do this. I think that. Yeah. I, I think why not? Let's do Gaucher, Grant, uh, Jones as the fourth line. Um, is that and, a, is I, that a good fourth line? I actually think that that so Grant's numbers last year, not terrible. Not, not terrible. terrible. I think part of that is getting dragged by Zegris, but. Well, didn't you? Weren't you the one who said that they didn't actually spend that much time together? They spent more time together than Delorier did. Yeah, but that was like five games. Delorier, yeah, I think it was like over. It was like 150 or 160 minutes that Grant spent with Zegers. Yeah, I mean, I so think a that, decent amount. I think that with Grant, he was. I should. I should retract what I said. He was better than he's been, but still bad. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, no, so but here, here, here's the thing. I don't think it's a great fourth line. I think that it's not Gaucher, a good. It's not a good bottom six to be Go, honest. Gaucher and Jones makes it interesting. I think if I were to go ahead, if so, I think that's what's going to happen. I think that that's fair. Um, I think if I were the coach of this team, um, I think probably what I would end up doing is, God, maybe that third line. I just say screw it and, and just at least try some things and maybe go Comtois, 
go Gaucher and go on the right wing, Jacob Perot. And then on the fourth line, do Lundestrom, Jones, and um, Lundestrom, Jones, and Silverberg. And so essentially that third line has now got swapped into the fourth line role and you're putting more kids in that third line role, protect them a little bit and put them in offensive situations there where they can thrive. And you have it as Gaucher and Perot together and throw Max Comtois on there and see what happens. And so I think that that's an interesting use of the roster where you have this quote unquote kid line that is not going to be thrown to the wolves in a third line role, going to be protected a bit. And you're really, I mean, I think where this ducks team's going this year, as we talk this through is that, the top six should be getting most of the minutes. Yes. I mean, that bottom six, I, I guess what Dallas Higgins could do is try to spread the wealth a little bit, you know, have Adam Henrique on a third line, something like that. But the path is pretty wide open for a Jacob Perot, I think, because yeah. that that bottom six is devoid of offense. With all due respect to Max Contois, that bottom six, who's going to provide you anything offensively? Um, you know, Derek Grant, he only scores in the penalty kill. Max Jones is not an offensive threat. Jacob, Jacob Silverberg is not that either. So, and, you know, Isaac Lindstrom, I think that he had a good year last year. I still don't know. Maybe he takes this big step forward, but he's still just one guy. And so I think that if Jacob Perot can at least just show well in this training camp, like he has that there is a need for him. There is a need for his player type. Yeah, so. and and you could maybe you could maybe even see both Braden Tracy and Jacob Perot on this team maybe. I don't think that's likely. So, my problem I, with Tracy is that he's just kind of he has this like ambiguous archetype, right? He's not really an offensive guy. He's not really known as a defensive presence, and I think that coaches love guys that they can pin into a role on the bottom six. And so, you already have Max Jones who's kind of the energy guy, and I feel yeah. like that's where Tracy is at right now. And I'm not saying that Tracy doesn't deserve to be there. I'm just looking at it pragmatically. Like would Dallas Aikens, does he have yeah, a path to get in I mean, the lineup? I mean, realistically, there's probably one spot available. I, I think that that this is us discussing what you and I would do. I think more realistically, there's one spot available for a younger guy mm-hmm. um, in the sense of whether it's a Pavel Regenda, whether it is, I know, you and I both don't think that should happen. Whether it's a Jacob I mean, Perot, what Regenda what, could could be yeah, could make the team. What, what, yeah. Whether it's a whether it's a Nathan Gaucher, there's only really one spot available for those guys because I don't think Gaucher would be the only one I could see them putting on the roster and healthy scratching because of the not being able to go to the AHL. Well, you but, know, you know who we haven't talked about. Who? Someone who everyone was talking about last year. Bo Grew. Yeah. What's up with that? Why, why is, why has he, maybe, is this the year he well, we actually talked, shows out? We talked about it last year, right? That, or talked about it, I think, over summer that it's wild that he had all this hype coming into the season and then played, after he got sent down, played, what, one game, I think, and, with the Ducks and I, after and that? I just, and I just want to note, the hype that we're referring to was what we had heard from people within the Ducks. This was like information Correct. That, we, that we were getting. It wasn't just, this isn't us just reading replies or whatever, although we do that too. Um, yeah. the, the issue with Bo Grew is that I just don't know if he's an NHL level skater. Yep. That's the difference with Tracy is that I think he has that. It's just, what can he then do with that? Yeah. All right, here we go. I, I'm going to make my, my claim here. I think that our tops our our top or the bottom six is set with what we said with having Gaucher on the roster with, uh, Perot. with, with Grant and, uh, Jones on the fourth line. And then I'm going to say the healthy scratch 
on the forward group is Chase DeLeo. What? Oh, he's the healthy scratch because they don't want to have all the other guys. They don't want to have as uh in the press box. They want to have him playing in the AHL. Oh. I think Chase, I think Chase Deleo has purely been signed to be the healthy scratch this year. Okay. To okay. be the the Vinny Letary of the team this year. Okay. And I I think for him being on the team opening night roster, even if he's not playing, probably pretty cool for him being able to be in Honda Center, be on the bench, be announced on the team. That's probably going to be a cool moment for him. So if if he if he plays, I mean, I just don't know if that's a great use of a roster spot. So yeah, let's just really quickly. What do you think left? If you had to put a ranking on the uh, sixth defenseman, oh uh, Bonnie asked by the way, would they really bring Chase back just to healthy scratch? Yes, I, yeah, I, they I, would, but, but not because they don't want him to play. It's like I think it's what Jake is getting at is the way that the rules are constructed. It's just that with him being the healthy scratch, there are guys who you don't want to scratch that you can have play in the well, AHL. And you have a guy that has... And, and by the ha- way, ha- by the has- way, Bonnie, th- I just want to say this. There is a benefit for Chase DeLeo to be a healthy scratch in the NHL. As True, opposed he gets to paid. Playing. He gets paid more by just yeah. being... A, by not playing in the NHL. So Yep. Yep, and I think with DeLeo, you have a guy that has professional experience. If something does happen in warmups and he has to be a late-game addition, I think that you're not feeling absolutely horrible about it. Um, he's a guy that has some experience and can play games as compared to a 20-year-old, 21-year-old. He, he has seven NHL games. In his hey, I said, I said professional. I didn't say NHL. I know, but I'm just saying. I, I, was, I was very specific about that. Um, uh, yeah, he gets he gets uh, 750K in the NHL versus 350K in the yeah. AHL, which... <laughs> I would love to make either of those, but that's a big step up uh, yeah. in the NHL. All right, so let's do this. Bo- our defensive pairings. Um, and we'll start blitzing through questions because we got a lot of Twitter ones also. Yeah. Um, defensive pairing. Really, I think that probably the sixth defenseman is the one that's up in the air. Yeah, I mean, I think we can blitz through the top four. It's going to be, I mean, in whatever con- configuration, Fowler, Drysdale, um, you know, who am I missing here? Uh, Klingberg and, and Kulikov. And then Shattenkirk's on the on the third pairing. I'm gonna go Olin Zellweger for my for my sixth guy, and then seventh defenseman. Hmm. I mean, I think they're gonna do seventh and eighth, and have it be both Mahura and, or be Vakaninen and Mahura. Vakaninen, Mahura, Benoit, two of those three doesn't matter. Yep. Just I, just simply does not matter. I'd agree with that. I think outside shot maybe Drew Hellison makes the team. Um, I'm gonna go think- Ben. I'm gonna go Benoit because he got a real jersey number now, and that has to mean he's he's got the inside track. Okay, there you go. Ben Ben Benoit and Vakaninen for the two uh, healthy scratches on defense. Uh, yeah. Let's okay. go with that. Okay. All right. So let's uh let's get to some more questions. Uh, Shaken Wing said you y'all need to talk about the New Ducks media staff uh and how they use Zegris. Have you seen? Kind of all the Trevor Zegers stuff around from the last like yeah week or two. I mean, they're doing the 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 reasonable thing. Like he's marketable. Get him out there. Put him in front of every camera, behind every mic. You know, I think there's some people that may be getting tired of it, but who cares? Oh, I, I he's love great. it. Yeah, like I I love the hate. Um, I think it's great. I don't think it's gonna wear out. Um, yes, fan. I feel like fans. anytime anytime you watch a video with him, it he just like exudes well, he, he exudes that he's just trying to make you laugh well like, think, he's just trying to have a good time well i think the thing with him though is that he there is an element of you can tell he's trying to be funny 
but the thing that works for him is that he is funny. So it's it, it's okay. Like the thing with <laughs> the that video where <laughs> every guy is doing like the NFL Sunday night or whatever, yeah. like naming yeah. their college or their yeah. junior team. And and you can just tell he's holding back laughing. He's, he's like, trying not to laugh. Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry is his well, junior team. That was excellent. And like that, when they asked each player about what video or what movie they what's their favorite movie. Oh, yeah. And I swear they went through every player and every time they came back to, to Zegris and he was like, yeah, I like movies. Um, Let me think. What movie do I like? Yeah, I definitely <laughs> like. And just the way he like delivers yeah. it. It's just like you can tell that he's trying to do this to be funny and it's working. And so I, I love it. I enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Um, let's see. Uh, the puff ass. Assuming everything were to break the right way for us, do you think we would legitimately have a shot at going deep in the playoffs? No, no, deep. Everything. Like, no, but every when you make the if you make the playoffs, okay, okay, you have a chance of going deep if everything I mean, breaks. The, right. the you know it's, yeah, the, the likelihood of of it is low, but there's a chance. Well, sure, but okay. So what's everything breaking right? Like, re- realistically, like a realistic everything breaking. Right. Realistically, is John Gibson bounces back to the the player that he was and is able to maintain that performance through the playoffs. Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry are point per game players at least, uh, and the second line of Strom, Henrique, and McTavish are all sixty point players, fifty to sixty. Yeah, point Mason players. McTavish is the, is the Calder you know trophy like, winner. It, if yeah. you have if you have Zegers and Terry putting up eighty plus points a se- in the season. You have McTavish putting up sixty some odd points along with Strom well, and so Henry. So we're just doing talking that. about playoffs though. They just gotta get in. No, but if those guys are able to develop like that and play like that and continue that into the playoffs and they're able to get solid enough defense uh work from the defense, they're gonna be able to sco- outscore some of the So their here problems. here's well, that's the thing, and that's I think the, what, and if, where and if and if John Gibson is John Gibson or is able to be the type who's, of John Gibson, who's who's exactly is that? If he is one of the best goaltenders in the league and yes. you have a team that can outscore their problems, that is a recipe well, for success for going I, deep. I think I'm going to stick to my guns and say I still am doubtful because we just we just discussed that bottom six. Oh, I don't S- think it's likely. Well, no, but you, the thing with the problem with your best case scenario is I feel like it doesn't address the things that are the like the true weaknesses. And so I think for your hypothetical to hold up, you would need Isaac Lindstrom to become like like a shutdown third line center. Like you okay, need sure. something from the, the, sure. the bottom six. Then we'll add that into this. Yeah. Then I would think, think more realistic, but I'm sticking to no. Um, oh, I think more likely than not, it's not happening, but, but sure. I, I, I think that you're sure. I mean, but the case you've made is, is well taken. And, and yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that you've said out of all of the, all of those is, is John Gibson looking like the 2018, you know, 2017, yeah. 2018 version of himself. Yep. Hey, Odiflo said, will Derek Grant start the season in the NHL or AHL? Derek Grant? Is that who we're talking yeah. about? Yeah. I, he's an NHLer. He's an NHLer nominally. Nominally. I just I want to be very clear here. He is nominally an NHLer. He, he plays on an NHL team. He has a name on a jersey. He, he gets paid NHL checks. This is not a commentary on his ability as an NHL player. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm happy you made that distinction. Bucky okay. Duck said, "What are your boldest predictions for the Ducks this season?" Um. Well, the boldest one would probably be that they make the playoffs. No. Yeah, I think make the playoffs. I think you and I are both kind of on that bandwagon of they're gonna be close. Yeah. I, like I think that that the bottom six worries me, but I think that 
We've talked a lot about internal improvement being a driving factor for their success this this year. And I mean, Isaac Lundestrom is part of that group. He is eligible for an intern for an improvement because he's still so young. So there's a chance. There's yep. a chance. Um, 91 Pluto Yasa, how did it feel to lose to him in fantasy football this week? Who? Connor. Did I lose? <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Connor, I broke the news for you. Did I lose? I thought I was going to win. I guess I guess you lost. I don't think so. Well, I think I think he's lying. Yeah. Uh Chris Cobra asked what? us on Twitter. We're going Holy, to Twitter. I lost then- by I lost by like 1.4 points. That's insane. That's stupid. Hold, how did this continue? How did this happen? Okay. Uh, Chris Cooper asked us, he's saying Saquon, baby. Uh, Chris Cooper had said, I know there's a lot to talk about, but I vote for at least 10 minutes breaking down Kent French's interview with Tamu and Paul. Have you listened to that interview yet? No, sorry. I'm just fuming over this. That's fine. Okay. So have you listened to the interview? No. Oh, okay. Well, I, was I, I say- listened to like a clip, but you know. Okay. Well, I was going to say, what? what's your favorite part? I'll give you give mine. I think it was just the ribbing between the two and just how they they really worked so well together. I know I guess that's not a favorite part, but just like the back and forth that they had, there were so many good stories. I, I think everyone should go listen to that if you're a Ducks fan. I lost by 1.4 points. Like, where's my pity party? There's no pity party. Hockey South said, uh, should the top line be McTavish, Zegris, Terry? I don't think Akins will allow it, but should it be? I think there's a chance because they love Mason McTavish and yeah. Mason McTavish could be really good right away. So there's a chance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Luke Caccia said, if the ducks sit in a playoff position, come trade deadline, do you see them being buyers or sellers? I think that's a great question because I don't really have a, f- a, f- a firm handle on that. I, I could see Pat Verbeek just kind of being like a soft buyer. Like, I don't yeah. think that they would do anything super drastic, but I think that they may add, you know, like small upgrades. Maybe you go out and get a third liner or a fourth liner to, to, to bolster that bottom six. I think soft buying is the best way to put it. I think it's a situation where you don't buy just to buy and to bolster your team for a playoff run, but yeah. you look to buy and if the right situation comes available. Yeah, um, I, like I don't, I, I don't think they're spending a first. They're not spending one of their second rounders. Right, you're you're looking at a smaller deal to improve the team, and and some people may hold that against Pat Verbeek, but again, you got to think big picture. Like if they're in a playoff position at that point, it's just kind of gravy for this season. The, the long term plan isn't the playoffs this year. Yeah, like exactly. As the, much the, as you and I both think that can happen, and think that if the right things happen, things go in the right way, everything like that. But that that's not the long term plan. The long term plan is to be uh, contending for a long period not going all in and blowing it all on this first time being in the playoffs. Correct. Um, uh, even Wilder Wing said, who do you want each want to see coming back our way for Klingberg at the deadline? <laughs> well, assuming that the Ducks are trading him at the deadline, um, I mean, I think realistically you can get uh, probably a couple draft picks for him. You know, yeah. probably, a, probably a first and a second. Would be yeah. my guess. And maybe, yep. I mean, it, it depends how well he's playing. I think yep. that that's a big I, part of it. I think at least a first. At least I, a first plus, I guess. Yeah, I mean, look at look at what was handed out last year. And I think that that can guide your analysis. Yep. Uh, all eggs in one basket said, Summer 2023, 
Who will be the Ducks' next Klingberg-sized signing, and will, will Dallas Aikens be extended going past the season? I love these questions because the season hasn't even started yet, and we're talking about offseason for next year. Uh, Dallas Aikens extension, yes or no? Uh, no. Wants okay. his guy. Yep, I agree but, with that. But, but I could see it. I could see it. I'm coming around to that possibility. Uh, Sorry, I was one season past. Uh. 24-25, though, the offseason, Austin Matthews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there he's not going to stay in Toronto. So There it is. Austin Matthews to the Ducks to play with his best friend, Troy Terry. I'm making <laughs> stuff up right now. I know that him do, and Terry Do they even friends. know each other? Yeah, okay. they, they play together on the national development team. Okay, there you go. That, yeah. that, that must mean they like each other. Yeah. Mike Prevo said, Cap Friendly has Henry Thrun's uh, rights expiring August of 2024. Any insight to this being case or just a mix-up on Cap Friendly's part? So I've actually, I saw this and I DM Cap Friendly. They have not gotten back to me. Uh, I'll reply to you, Mike, if I do get a reply to th- from them. But from going on their website, it seems like it's a mistake, uh, probably due to the fact that he didn't play in college for a year because of the Ivy League going out. But it looks as if, to me, his rights should be expiring August of 2023 because that's four years after his draft. So, Well, the, Lacombe, they have Lacombe, correct? They have so, Lacombe, but that's because Lacombe played the COVID year at the University of Minnesota. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think it has to be wrong because, I mean, you, you've heard Pat Verbeek's comments about this. Correct. And so, yeah. Well, and even on Cap Friendly's website, it says August 15th, four years after they're drafted. Yeah. So, so. there you go. Uh, Duncan at Gantor said, uh, this one might be a little more thought out, but what teams are the ducks definitely better than in the Pacific and central division? Uh, and what do you think the the, central, the ducks playoffs odds are if you had to put a percentage on it? All right, let's give playoff odds first. If you had to put a percentage on it, I would say 35%. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go 50, 50, 50, 50. Okay. I mean, I think 35% is pretty solid. You know, like a little bit better than a one out of three. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just, you know, going to be positive right Maybe now. Maybe I'll go to 40%. Like 40% is probably the highest I would go. But in terms of who they're better than okay. in the Pacific, I think Here. that's one's easy. Here, let, let's run through the list of all the Western teams and just say yes or no. Colorado. Yes. Just kidding. No. <laughs> Minnesota. No. St. Louis. No. And you can answer because he said, are they definitively better than? So if it is a maybe, you can answer with that. But the question is definitively better than. Dallas. Uh, yes. Okay. Nashville. Yes. Maybe. Okay. Winnipeg. Yes. Chicago. Yes. Arizona. Mm, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Pacific Division. Now we've got Calgary. No. Edmonton. No. LA. No. Vegas. Yes. Vancouver. Mm, yes. San Jose. Yes. Seattle. Yes. So I don't. Vegas is the one I'm iffy on, but I'm leaning towards. You've yes waffled on hard on that. I have. I have very you've hard. You've waffled hard on that, and it's it's I, frustrating to me. I think that the Ducks are either going to finish fourth or fifth in the Pacific and make the playoffs out of it. I think they're better than Dallas, Nashville, Winnipeg, Chicago, Arizona. Yeah, I think I just haven't really thought through Nashville that much. Uh, Nashville's going to be tough because they still, I don't know, they have names. Nino Niederreiter's uh, a good pickup for him, but yeah. 
And I mean, they, their their blue line is still respectable. They still have a good goalie. I don't know. I'm a maybe. There you go. Maybe. Uh, let's do. We got Trevor Zegris uh, asking us questions. Trevor Zegris, uh, Twitch, we're coming to you next. So start getting those questions in there. Uh, and so he has this question. Do you guys think the Ducks not naming a captain for the season enhances the chance of Zegris getting the captaincy next year? Uh, I don't well, yeah. think so. Well, yes. Well, yeah. Because yeah. if they had named someone else than him, then he's done. So yeah. does it enhance his chances? That's, I guess, Mike, where I'm more. Does it make sure. it likelier? Yeah, I yeah, I think he has an opportunity now. Okay. I think that I think it's possible now. Yeah. OK, and then he, I think we can answer this pretty quick. We saw Nils Lundqvist traded to Dallas. Uh, if you were Verbeek, would you check in on either uh, Nick Haig or Rasmus Sandin? Sandin, yes. yes. Haig, Haig, I'd check in on. I wouldn't be willing check, to pay check, as much. Check, check price on Haig. Yeah. And so if the Ducks had the second overall pick in 2021, would you still take McTavish? Oh, boy. Jogging my memory. Well, you wanted William Eklund. No, I would have taken Matty Beniers if they had second overall. Was Eklund? Am I thinking of the wrong draft? No, you're right. thinking of the right draft. Eklund okay. was... I would okay. have taken Eklund or Beniers. Oh, second, second overall. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I think Beniers would look really good on this roster right now. Yeah. Um, because he... I mean... The Ducks could put Mason McTavish at center. They're just choosing not to, but neither here nor there. Yep. All right. So we'll get to some questions now from Twitch. But for those of you watching on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash spawn, where you can watch our videos, subscribe to us there. Please subscribe to us. Hit that like button on these videos. It does help out significantly. Uh, If you leave comments, I will reply and uh, have a little discourse in there also with you if you want. Uh, So check us out at youtube.com slash crash spawn. Or if you're on your favorite podcast services, you can find us every Monday night. Yes. We're back on that Monday night grind, 8 p.m. as the season begins. Every Monday, you can find us there at twitch.tv slash crashspawn, where you can uh, support the show. If you have Amazon Prime, you get Twitch uh, Prime Gaming, and you get one free subscription each and every month. It does help support the show more than you can imagine, and you get special emotes in the chat, special badges next to your name. Uh, people asked her earlier, and I don't, I'm just going to throw you on the spot because I don't want to look this up. So you get to, uh, people asked her seven said, what do you think of Ben King's numbers in the WHL? He had a huge jump from last year and here's hoping for a Jamie Ben or a Mark Stone. What? I don't know. I, I just, don't, I never, never in my wildest dreams. And I've had some wild ones. Ben, Ben King. That I would hear Ben King's name alongside, what was it? Jamie Ben and who else? Uh, Mark Stone. Mark Stone. Uh, no. The answer is no. I don't think so. Here's the thing. Uh, ben King was on his, what, third season? Fourth season? Yeah. In like, the I, I, I see what he's saying going from 28 points to 105. But that's also, like, COVID, like, years made it 21 games. This is his first well, full he had, season. He had 28 points in 21 games. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, if anything... Is, wait, which one is a better points per game? Probably the second one, I would I would imagine. Probably. <laughs> My math isn't great, but I'm yes. looking at the numbers. Yes. Uh, yeah, but, I, I think I, I've heard, you know, I th- we talked to Mitch Brown, or I think we, we had, I think I've DM Mitch Brown about Ben King a little bit, and like, you know, he's not a, not a bad player. He's got some interesting tracking data on him in terms of his ability to create plays. So he could be a guy that, that becomes something. I, I think that that's totally a fine take, but the next Mark Stone, the next Jamie Ben, like I would, 
I would well, caution that. Yeah, the the issue with that is that he, even though he was drafted this past year, this was his last. This was his third year of draft eligibility. Yeah, like he's and, been passed over, and he was he was uh you know deservedly drafted, and and all these guys who have had to go through the shutdown years, like it's it's um, it's been tough for them. But I yep. I just I would I would keep those expectations cautioned, but maybe he could turn into something. Goons never say die. Ask, what are your expectations of Gauthier? Uh, sorry, he had a first question. What are your odds of Zellweger making the roster? And if he does, does he play nine games or more? My odds for him making the roster are sixty-six percent, two thirds, two out of three times he makes the roster. Wow, you're just going in those thirds, aren't you? Um, I'm gonna <laughs> go with seventy percent. Wow, you you just have to one up me, huh? Yeah, um, obviously. Um, nine games or more, I'm gonna put that a lot less likely. Yeah, I, I put that at twenty percent. Yeah, I, I just it sucks because I, I dislike the scenario for him, but yeah. I, I would I would go twenty twenty four percent. I could also just see them saying screw it and burning the year off his deal and not really caring and I could see them and still going more. back. I yeah, I could see them caring more about the year of service for him because of his age. Um as compared to um well, I, I, could, the, I could see them also seeing him play really well in the NHL and being like, well, he's better it. than what we've got. Like, he's yeah. ready, you know. So I would I would put the odds of him surpassing nine games maybe a little higher, maybe at 33%. Okay. Wow. There you go. Uh, Goons Never Say Day also said, what are your expectations of Gauthier if he does make the roster this year? I think he has a chance to be just a good bottom six player. Like, I feel like that's kind of his destiny, right? But... He does have a little playmaking to him. Like we know this from his junior career, but I think a, a good bottom six player like that's and, and for this year specifically, I mean, he probably won't amount to a, a you know, an, an above above replacement level NHL or like overall, maybe maybe a little bit beyond that. But he's going to be an effective contributor. I think that's yep. what he can be. Fetrell asks question. Do the Ducks trade any prospects slash AHL young players this year? If so, whom? Well, for what? You know, what what are we yeah, I I don't really for maybe for like a Jacob Chikrin, but I don't know where that's at. He's kind of hurt, and so who knows where that ends up at? Maybe they do for Erasmus Sandin, and that happens sooner than later. Mm-hmm. It would have to be something like that though, where Hello? they traded these guys. Tracy, maybe. like maybe those are the guys. Yeah, I mean that that's the thing here is that Jones. I mean, is jo- Jones isn't a uh, prospect or an AHL young player though at this point in time. No, I just I don't know what he could really get you. Never mind. I don't um, know either. Uh, yeah, I mean, a past job maybe. I mean, one of these guys is probably going to get traded because like they're not probably not all going to make the team. So yeah, I mean, maybe a Tyson Hines, maybe a Noah Min- Warren, Minchuk- Minchukov possibly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> legitimately, it, it possibly. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I I don't think there's anyone that's untouchable in the prospect system. Maybe a Zellweger. Maybe. I mean, depends what you can get for him. Yeah, it depends. I think everyone has their price on, in this prospect system. And so if, we'll, we'll over, see over the goes. Over the summer, would you have done, would you have included um, Zellweger in a trade for Kevin Fiala? Ooh. <laughs> That's tough because of Fiala's age. As in the age being a negative? Yes. Okay. Because he's 26. I can so get that, does, that. That doesn't necessarily align with the Ducks' window. Let's say, would you have done Zellweger for who was the? There was a younger forward that we were all about for a while. It'll uh, come back to me. 
uh, Ottawa traded for him. Why am I spacing? Uh, oh, Debrinkat. Debrinkat. Maybe yeah, that one I would have been more likely on. He's still older, a little bit older. Though. I mean, he he's still. I mean, but he's a you know, I mean, he's an all star caliber forward who's in the prime of his career. I just want to see is I just want to see Zellberger in the NHL. I'm just yeah. at that point. I just want All to right. see it. Let's end with this one. Tendi Terror asks, with the creativity and high skill that Zegers brings to the NHL, do you think that will create a target on his back? I mean, has it not already? It has. Here's the thing. The best players in the league and the most highly skilled players are able to be that because they're able to avoid those situations with their skill. How many times has Patrick Kane, how many times has Johnny Gaudreau been drilled? How many times legally has Trevor Zegers gotten drilled? The only time I can really think of of him getting absolutely crushed was that Cedric Paquette hit along yeah. the boards. And that was an illegal hit. I mean, there's always this thing with, with star players is, is, you know, unless they're like, you know, one of these like Jonathan Taves types, right, where everyone just assumes they're tough. Um, there's a target on the back. I mean, think back to Sidney Crosby early in his career and all the issues he dealt with. Ovechkin, you know, target on his back. It's just, it, it comes with the territory that's not going to deter these guys. They're still going to come at you. Yeah. They're still going to be the players that they're that they're capable of. Like, I think that just comes with the territory. Yeah. I mean, I think that Zegras, though, I kind of liken him a little bit to like a P.K. Subban, right? Where a guy who does have that off-ice component, and there was always a little bit of that subtext. But when, when, when it's time to play, when it's time to get serious, Trevor Zegras is, is game. He's a yep. willing combatant. So Yep. All right. I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Yep, we're going to get out of here. Uh, we're just going to go over a few different ways that you can help support oh. our podcast. I'm going to do real quick. Zegris McTavish point product, point prediction. Oh, is that a question or yeah. is that just you? Question. Uh, it just point- came in. I like it to end with. I'm going to go Zegris 78 points. I'm going to go McTavish 58. I'm going to go McTav- <laughs> McTav- McTavish 61, Zegris 86. Wow. Okay. Do we think that scoring this year is going to be as high as it was last year? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm seeing 82 and 69 nice. uh, in the chat. Nice. Very nice. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, include goals and assists. Oh, that's too hard. I I don't I don't have that for you. Sorry. Yeah. Too much math. Sorry. Um. <laughs> I, okay, well, no, we have to give him that because we can't be a numbers show and not do num- numbers right. questions. Zegers 25, 20, let's do Zegers 30 goals, and that would put him at, what, 56 assists? I'm going to put him at 24 goals. I, I, he's going to get a lot of assists is my prediction. I think that's where he's going to butter his bread. McTavish, 20 goals, 40 assists, or 41 assists. For Man, we are predicting him. That's a monster rookie year. Yeah, like, you know, I'm going to be wrong. And I fully admit that this is going to be way too high, but I want to go in. And I want to have a pause or I want to have some hope. So we're okay. doing this. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Like I'm these under- are definitely going to be way too high. So don't take me at my word with these, please. <laughs> well, that's that's a lot to ask. Um, OK, well, I, I think that's all we've got. I do want to go over, though, a few ways you can support us. And I want to start here because, I mean, it's where we always start. But the number one way that you can support us is to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And we get, I mean, you know, we see the numbers of how many people listen to us each episode. And we see the number of people that have left reviews. And we know for a fact that there's some of you out there who have been listening to this show for a while who have not left a review. And so we're not trying to 
force you or accost you into doing it, but it helps us out a lot. You know, we, we hope that we've provided you with enough value to, to warrant that. And we kind of did a similar call to action last podcast and people came through with some reviews and these are fun to read. We actually get some insight into what yeah. we can do to better your experience as a listener. So we'll, we'll, we'll go through these. The promise is always that if you leave us a review and assuming that there's no, uh, you know, profanity or anything inappropriate, we will read it on the show. Uh, so let's start here. HB Gal 99 left us a five star review. Great Ducks podcast. Felix and Felix and Jake are always entertaining. And I've learned a lot about hockey while listening to their show. Thank you, HB Gal. That's uh, that means a lot. You know, we, we're, we're here to, to educate, if nothing else. Uh, let's go to SoCal Pats fan. Ooh, that's Patriots fan in SoCal. Uh, Ultimate Ducks podcast is the title. Five stars. Thank you. If you remotely like the Ducks, this is the best podcast. Give great insight on all aspects of the team, even during the offseason. Felix and Jake have a really good rapport. Oh, I would agree with that. It's a must listen. <laughs> yep. Thank, thank you. you. That's thank a, you that's... both you and HB Gal. I realized I didn't say thank you. So thank you to both of you. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, that's a nice one. And then this one from L Dimps uh, said, great work. Five stars. Love the pod, guys. Very insightful. Even though I don't always agree with every take, I appreciate the thoughtfulness and research that goes into your remarks. Great banter, too. Haha, ha, keep it up. Go Ducks. Thank you. That that, that one that one tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. Th- that's exactly what we go for. We, we try to at least provide backing for our opinions. Even if you're not going to agree with them, you can at least maybe understand where we're coming from. Yeah, I, I, I would hope that when people are listening to us, they're they're actively listening and they're not just, you know, taking everything we say, like, yep. at face value, like... Yeah, push us a little bit. Like that's that's what we're here. We're all here to get better. Uh, and then this one uh, from Kurt One SB hashtag Elite One P. <laughs> I love that. A little ode yep. to the Elite One C. Five stars. Inarguably the best ducks pod out there. The subgenre is ninety five percent idiocy, but luckily these guys fall in the five percent. I don't know if I'd agree with that proportion. Uh, two negatives, however, their stick is to create seemingly imaginary narratives to argue against i.e. the fan base's unrealistic expectations of insert player and their insistent wrestling or food blather. I'm going to push back on everything that was said there. Um, the unrealistic expectations, we people tweet at us regularly what they think about the team. We are not making shit we, up here. We should do a better job of just ignoring it, though. So that's a that fair is, point. It's a fair point. It's, it's a well-taken point. Uh, and look, the insistent wrestling. I try to, I try to minimize the wrestling. I try, I try, I try. I get uh, asked questions. I get asked <laughs> questions by people, and that's I just fair. answer that's them. That's fair. And then the food blather. Look, I will try to do a better job, but the, the food is here to stay. The food takes sprint, here to sprint stay. Sprint car F one in our Twitch chat just said more wrestling talk, please. So you know, <laughs> one one pro, one con. So you know, we we have the shit show portion of the show at the end typically. We'll, so we'll tr- it, yeah, we'll try we, to keep we, it we, at the end. We try to make it clear it's the shit show time. So uh, if you don't enjoy that, uh, that could be where it ends. But the review goes on. If you can get past it, uh, which this this reviewer fortunately did, the pod is quite enjoyable. Felix and Jake are at their best when they vehemently disagree on an aspect of the game. The analytics don't tell the full story. So the balancing act, they teeter when laying out one's perspective versus the other is absolutely where they peak. All in all, a great job, fellas. So thank you. And, and then he added, P.S., for God's sake, can you please add in the episode length to Apple Podcast? I 
thank you for saying that. I had no idea until you put this in there that that was not something that was on our Apple podcast. I didn't know that's something I had to automate or manually input with our hosting platform. So I am going to try to be doing that from now on. So thank you. So thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the constructive criticism. You know, I think that this this walked the fine line of the the respectful tone, even when delivering critiques. So thank you to everyone. I mean, this is this is awesome. You know, yes, like like that Kurt SB just showed like. Something you can lead leave in the review can directly lead to an improvement of the listening experience, i.e. adding the uh, the episode length. So if you want to leave a review, we'll read it on the show. We'll, we'll get into it at the end of each show. It's uh, just search Crash the Pond on Apple Podcasts. Really easy to do. Probably takes like five minutes tops maximum. Uh, you can also find us though on Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review there. Check out our Patreon. This is a big one. Patreon.com slash crash the pond for a dollar monthly p- pledge. You get access to our uh, discord server where you get to connect with other diehard ducks fans. This is truly like one of my favorite things that has come out of doing this podcast is that it's yeah. this little community of fans. And you know, we're not just there to talk hockey, although we do get into that a lot, but there's a food channel, which we get into some fun conversations there. We talk other sports. We A fantasy football league came out of it, as I am being reminded of tonight. It's just a lot of fun. And for a, like, there are just so many worse ways to spend one single dollar. Um, and it actually does add up and helps us out a lot, keep this thing going. So check that out. You'll get a lot out of it. And then for $5 a month, if you want to bump that up a little bit, you also get access to two bonus episodes. We go more in-depth into the team. Uh, that, then, you know, sometimes we have to get through the news in the regular show. So... It's a little easier to go deep dive on those. We'll do league-wide rankings, things of that nature. A little more unfiltered on those shows as well. Uh, you can also find us on YouTube. Uh, check out the video format oh, re- of the wait. show. Really quickly on Patreon, I wanted to add this. Uh, just as of today, we added, uh, we got the ability from Patreon to do anniversary billing. It's a subscription billing, however they want to call it. Basically, what it means is previously, if you were to sign up for Patreon and you did it right now, you would get charged on the 26th and then they charge everyone on the first. So you get charged on the 26th and then additionally for on the first, they have now changed that and they've changed that for everyone, which is much better. And we were able to update our billing for that. So if you are a Patreon current patron currently, nothing's changing for you. You're still going to get billed first of the month, but if you are a new one, are interested or anything like that, and you, you don't like that Patreon was doing that, but anything like that, now, if you were to sign up today, you would get charged on the 26th of every month. And that's how it will be moving forward for any new patrons. Yep. And then on top of that, check out our website, crashthepond.com. We have a shop on there. So if you're trying to gear up with new apparel for the season, we've got some cool t-shirts with our logo on there, uh, coffee mugs, stickers, all sorts of things to gear you up for the season, crashthepond.com slash shop. Uh, you can find Crash the Pond on Twitter. Search it there on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter at reindeer games 91 i'm on twitter at felix underscore sicard and that is going to do it for the show thanks everybody for listening and we'll talk to you in a week and hopefully by then we'll have we'll have some video evidence of preseason games we'll get there i promise yep. bye